Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Living leaves a mark on our planet and in our communities, but it doesn't have to leave a scar. At OnPost, we're building a postal and delivery service for the future. Through Ireland's largest electric fleet, delivering e-commerce with zero emissions. With the Green Hub helping people transform their homes for greener living. And services that keep our communities connected and thriving. Living leaves a mark. Together, let's leave one we're proud of. On post for your world. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpost.com forward slash sustainability. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. It's Megan Trainer, And I'm a big bro, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and we're starting a podcast. It's called Working On It. And we're working on just bettering ourselves overall as human beings. Listen, you're just going to get a behind the scenes look at our lives. We're just regular people. Just regular people in Hollywood. <laughs> we're going for it. Episodes drop every Wednesday. And we can't wait for you to listen. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts. And it's easy to see why. Listen to Working On It on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on the grounds of Al-Aqsa, and that in front of us is the Dome of the Rock. It's one of the holiest places um, in the Islamic religions. And so we've come here uh, today on one of the holiest nights of Ramadan to monitor the situation. The crowds are huge. So if anything happens, it could potentially be very dangerous to the people that are here. There is Israeli police actually inside, in the grounds of Al-Aqsa. There are people waving their hands saying, get out. They're expecting something to happen imminently. East, East Jerusalem is at the heart of the Palestine-Israel conflict. And right now, it's exploding. Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zimros. And I'm Hint Hassan, reporting from Jerusalem. Hundreds of Palestinians have been wounded after Israeli forces raided the Al-Aqsa Mosque this morning for the second time in four days. Al Jazeera reports Israelis fired rubber-coated bullets, tear gas, and sound bombs at Palestinian worshippers. A battle to save Palestinians from eviction triggers the latest rallying call against Israel. Hundreds have been injured in violent protests. You are stealing my house. 
Dozens killed in rocket fire across Gaza City in the most severe outbreak of violence since the 2014 war. A cloud of grief is spreading, taking hold of families, infecting a new generation. Testing one, two, three. Oh, hey, Hind, you're here. How loudly can you hear me? Can you hear me or is it still faint? That's way better. Yeah, and it's recording absolutely beautifully. Oh, that's wonderful. Hind, it's really good to hear your voice. You too. It's quite nice to take a little break. So Hind, you're in Jerusalem right now where you have been for about three weeks. Right. You've been doing an incredible amount of reporting there, documenting a lot of it on your Instagram stories. I've been following them every day. And I'm really glad we're able to catch up on the phone because, as we have all seen, in a matter of days, the situation in Israel-Palestine seems to have become a full-blown war. Yeah, that's right. Since we came here three weeks ago, we have seen the situation change, not just day by day, but hour by hour. And now we're at the point in which we're seeing Gaza being pounded on a daily and nightly basis. Airstrikes on Gaza, rockets fired towards Israel and hundreds reportedly killed. Immeasurable destruction. Growing calls for the U.S. to intervene in what many fear is rapidly becoming a humanitarian crisis. As the conflict enters its second week, one local resident we spoke to said he had never seen strikes of this magnitude. So... There's a lot to unpack here. Can you help orient us? So I think for us to really understand what's going on here, we need to go back to what brought Vice News to Jerusalem in the first place back in April. It was in order to cover a very specific story, which was the fight over a small neighborhood in East Jerusalem called Sheikh Jarrah. That site is at the center of a court case that is now being decided by the Israeli Supreme Court. In Sheikh Jarrah, there are 28 Palestinian families facing being forcibly evicted from their homes by the Israeli courts. A company that represents Jewish settlers is taking these families to court to say that this land belongs to Jewish people. We knew coming here that this was an incredibly important case and whatever decision they Supreme Court would make would have significant repercussions. But completely honestly, nobody on the team, all of us, didn't expect that that would play into what is happening right now and this war which is seeing so many civilians die. Okay, can you tell me why this area is so important and has become such a central flashpoint? So under international law, East Jerusalem is considered occupied by Israel. And Palestinians want to one day claim Jerusalem as their capital. Right. The Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood is right in the middle of East Jerusalem. It's not far from all of the holy sites. The area that we're talking about in Sheikh Jarrah, the vast majority of them are Palestinian families. So Palestinians who live in this neighborhood were displaced after Israel was created in 1948. In May of 1948, a new Jewish state, Israel, was born in a bath of blood. Israelis call it the 
Arab-Israeli war, but Palestinians call it the Nakba, which in Arabic means catastrophe. Jewish troops routed Arab forces from the city of Haifa in the first of a series of battles that were to reverberate through the years. 700,000 Palestinians were forced out of their homes and thousands of them were killed. The Jews wanted a homeland. The Arabs were just as determined that they would be forced to leave. The rest of the world stood divided in its feelings. So in the years afterwards, some of the Palestinian families who no longer had the homes that they lived in moved into this area of East Jerusalem. At that point, it was under the control of the Jordanian government. The Jordanian government gave the families the rights to these houses in return for the Palestinians giving up their refugee status. But then what happened was East Jerusalem was captured by Israel in 1967. And in the years that followed, Israel decided that this land belonged to Jewish people because, they say, before the Palestinians arrived there, there were Jewish families and Jewish people that lived there. What happened next was really key. That land and that area was given to two Jewish trusts, which represented Jewish families who lived there before the Palestinians did. And then those trusts sold the land to a Jewish settler company, which is based in the United States, called Nahalat Shimon International. And it is that company that has been taking these Palestinian families to court over the years and now to the Supreme Court. So if you haven't done a deep dive on this, you could look at this situation and think that this is a real estate fight or a small localized land ownership fight. But clearly this actually dates back decades and goes much deeper. It's at the very center of the Israeli-Palestinian dispute, which, among other things, is about who has the right to be there, to be in this land. Yeah, Palestinians believe that what is happening in Sheikh Jarrah is a microcosm of what is happening in different parts of East Jerusalem and also in Palestinian territories. And that is, they say, part of a political goal to try and replace Palestinians with Israeli settlers and limit their presence in places like East Jerusalem. At the centre of what's happening are the families who live there. One person in particular that I spent a lot of time with is a young woman called Mona. Mona Al-Kurd is 23 years old. She has spent her entire life in Sheikh Jarrah. Her parents lived there. Her grandparents lived there. She told me that her home was originally given to them by her grandmother who was one of the Palestinians who was made a refugee when Israel was created in 1948. So there's an entry point into the grounds of the home. And on the left-hand side, there is the addition building that had been built by her father 20 years ago. And then you keep walking forward. And then on the left again, there's the, the building that her family living currently. She told me that her father built the addition 
to that building 20 years ago because the family was getting bigger. But then what happened was a judge ordered that it was sealed off because it was built without a permit and it was closed. But Baba and her binae bait, Umur Namasakana, Ajal Kodi, Sakar Babil Bait, Urijal Mahkami. And there are also bathroom tiles just piled up outside of the place where she lives. And she says the reason why those bathroom tiles are there is because not only are they never given permission to build additions to the house or extensions, but they're not even allowed to fix the tiles on the floor of the bathroom because they would need planning permission to do that because it's considered to be building in land that they're not allowed to. Okay, I see. So the courts are keeping these Palestinian families in a sort of limbo. They're not allowing them to build or expand in their own neighborhood. That's right. And one of the most significant experiences that she talks about, and you can see how painful it is when she talks about this, is after the addition to the house was built by her father and then it was um, sealed off by a judge who said that they didn't have planning permission, she went to school and then she came home and she saw all these Israeli officers standing in front of the house like a shield. They wouldn't let her in. Even though she was begging them to, she was saying, this is my house, this is where I live. And one of the soldiers said to her, no, it's not your house, you're a liar, go away. And that really angered her. And what had happened is they had moved in Israeli settlers into the house addition that her father had built. So not only had it been sealed off, but now there were Israeli settlers living on the grounds of her home. So what happens with this home? What's the situation now? So that day, Israeli officers were forcibly placing Jewish settlers into the addition of the house, the one that had been sealed off. And that's actually something that has happened before in this area. There is an ongoing effort to move Israeli Jewish settlers into the homes that were either once or are still occupied by Palestinians. And Palestinians say that this is part of the greater settler movement, which has the goal of increasing the population of Jewish residents in East Jerusalem specifically, as well as other parts of the region. Right. And so in this case, that empty addition has a Jewish settler resident. Right. And the person who lives there now is this one guy named Jacob Fauci. He's originally from New York and he moved in 10 years ago. So he lives there and Muna and her family are still living in the main house. So I asked her about Jacob. She says that she feels oppressed uncomfortable, and that it's annoying. She says she's just exhausted, and it's at that point she starts to tear up. 
ابدا صدقيني والله بس ببكي لانه بنتعاملش مع دوله عادله احتلال so you could see at this point that Mona was frustrated with herself for showing emotion and she said that she wasn't crying because she's weak she said quote a cry because we're not dealing with a just state they're an occupation Mona herself had a exchange with Jacob and this confrontation between them two was recorded and it went viral. Jacob, you know this is not your house. Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But you it's easy to yell at me, but I didn't do this. Yeah, you are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one no one uh, uh, is allowed to steal it, yammy. That sounds like a really difficult situation. So what about Jacob? Were you able to talk to him? So yeah, we spent numerous days trying to track him down. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi. Thank God, still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob has a beard, he's quite tall, and he speaks with a New York accent. You're a you're a difficult man to get hold of. Yes, I generally don't interview, but uh, given the circumstances and the bad press that's out there, I decided that uh, we need to do some damage control. So he tells us that he's been living in this part of Mona's house for over 10 years after he needed a place to stay and somebody told him about this company and this area that could live in. And so he ended up being recruited by this American-based company, which is acting on behalf of the settlers in Sheikh Jarrah, and it's called Nahalat Shimon International. How did you end up here? It's a long story. Basically, I needed to move from where I was, and uh, my friend was, was very, very active in this neighborhood. And he said, you can stay here for the time being. Do you pay rent? I have an arrangement with the uh, with the owners of the house. I don't want to get into personal arrangements and rents and things, but yes, I'm a tenant here. I'm not. I have no ownership over this property. Yeah. What right do you have to live here in the, the, that part? The, of the right house? I have is that the owner of the house wants me to live here, and he wants there to be Jews living in this house, and he wants to. And I, I got chosen for whatever reason. It ended up being me. So why we do you live here? A, because I live here because it's important, and because not too many people want to live here, and it's important to, to strengthen this neighborhood, as I said before, to make sure that this neighborhood is not lost in any future peace deal, and we have access. When to he says strengthen this neighborhood, what does he mean by that? He means by bringing more Jewish people into that area of Sheikh Jarrah, and as a result, moving Palestinians out. What he's talking about is a lot of settlers and settler organizations. They do not want East Jerusalem to be part of any future Palestinian state. They want it to be part of the Israeli capital in Jerusalem. And that's why it was so controversial when Donald Trump decided to move the American embassy from Tel Aviv into Jerusalem. Therefore, I have determined that it is time to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. That is why that infuriated Palestinians, but was celebrated by right-wing Israelis. So your but position yeah. here is a political position to keep Palestinians out of it? Not to keep Palestinians out of it, to keep Jews in it. And therefore keep the Palestinians who were here out of it? No, not, that, that's not, no. 
That's an un that's a that's a necessary evil. I understand why they're angry at me. I understand why they dislike me. But I did not do this to them. I'm not doing this to them. And as I said, if I leave, I'll be replaced immediately. And I venture to think that whoever comes here is not going to be as easygoing as I am. And that's why the families and Munna and the people in this neighborhood are so active in trying to draw attention to what is happening and to their plight. Because they say it's not just about them losing their homes. It's like the entire weight of this conflict and over half a century of military occupation by Israel is weighing down on them. So to them, they see this as just a piece of the bigger Israeli effort to actively redraw the borders of the city. So Munna's neighborhood has become the epicenter for protesting. Palestinians have been turning up, breaking their fast during Ramadan, showing their presence. But then what we also saw increase was the number of Jewish Israeli right-wing settlers come out as well. So pretty much from the moment that we were there, during the daytimes and then into the evening, night after night, the police response to the, the protesters we saw was very, very aggressive. So the police have blockaded the road. They won't let anybody through. They used stun grenades and they would also use water cannons, which would spray what people call skunk water. And that is basically water infused with the most disgusting smell that would linger for days afterwards. As it's getting closer, the smell is getting really, really strong. Oh, you can see everybody just ran inside because they don't want to be sprayed with that. And they were also arresting many of the young Palestinians who were there. And now uh, the police have got back up and they are forcibly removing all the Palestinians from uh, outside of these homes. And they've So at one point, we were outside one of the houses of the Palestinian families who were uh, facing being forcibly removed. We've just seen this is one of the homes of the Palestinians that are facing eviction. And the Israeli police just came in, stormed in, and now they're being pushed back by the Palestinians. And so we followed them as that was happening. We were in here filming with Mona and her brother Mohammed when uh, we just, the police, the Israeli police just came storming in. I think it's because there was music, Palestinian music blasting from in here and the first person they saw, they floored. And then they came in and there was a scuffle. Uh, everyone was screaming. The Palestinian residents were telling them to get out. There's loads of uh, smashed plant pots. It's, it's actually really sad for the residents because this is where they live. This is their homes. And this is all happening in the weeks leading up to a decision from the Supreme Court about whether the courts will accept an appeal from the families in the area. If it doesn't, then they could be forced out. Got it. So now I'm starting to get a fuller picture and I can see how what's happening in this neighborhood relates to the broader story of Israel-Palestine. In a way, it's maybe the most immediate cause of all of the escalation we've seen in the past few days and weeks. Right, so we watched in real time how this battle in a particular area in Sheikh Jarrah came to represent so much more for people, especially when they were seeing the imagery and the footage of what was happening inside areas like Al-Aqsa compound. And all of that combined has 
resulted into what now is considered by many an all-out war. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. At Centra, we have everything you need in the Centra range with great quality food and everyday prices. Like Centra Homestyle Oven Chips, 1.5 kilo, only €1.55. Centra Gold Blend 80 tea bags, only €1.40. And Centra Fresh Irish Part Bone Chicken Breasts, 610 gram, only €5. Centra, live every day. I asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. So Hind, the reason why you were spending time with Muna's family is because they're at the center of these evictions in this one neighborhood in East Jerusalem. Yeah. So one of the major decisions that everyone was waiting for from the Supreme Court as to whether it would accept the appeal of the Palestinian families was supposed to come down on Monday, May the 10th. At the same time, in the weeks leading up to it, there have also been a variety of conflicts, big and small, around Jerusalem that have also contributed to what's happening now. We need to take cover. So Ramadan started in the middle of last month. What happens during this holy month is that a lot of Palestinians will come from different parts of the region and they'll gather just outside Damascus Gate. Damascus Gate is an entry point into the Al-Aqsa compound. This is the third holiest site in Islam. So it's a very important area, but what happened was Israeli police tried to limit the access of Palestinians into this area, and that resulted in protests and anger and a violent police response. So 
So on one of the days in Ramadan, on Friday the 7th of May, Israeli police had stormed into the grounds of Al-Aqsa Mosque. A site of prayer became a battlefield in Jerusalem on Friday night after clashes broke out at a mosque between Israeli police and thousands of Palestinians. Over 170 Palestinians and at least six officers were injured. It was incredibly shocking and the world started noticing at that point because that's not something that happens very often. And so the next day, we actually went to the grounds ourselves to see what was happening. There are people waving their hands saying, get out. They're expecting something to happen imminently. And you could really feel the tension. And you could also see police located at all the entry points to the Al-Aqsa compound, not just outside, but also inside. So a lot of turmoil in the days leading up to that Supreme Court decision about the housing dispute in Mana's neighborhood. And you said that decision was supposed to be on Monday, just over a week ago, on May 10th? That's right. The Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah were potentially receiving a decision by the courts as to whether their appeal has been accepted. There was also a lot of right-wing Israelis who were gathering in East Jerusalem to celebrate what they call Jerusalem Day, to celebrate the, the capturing of East Jerusalem by Israel. And they were waving the Israeli flag and dancing and, and cheering. And there was a heavy police presence in the center of the city as a result of that. But... The big thing that happened on that day was early in the morning. When I woke up on Monday, the 10th of May, I woke up to messages that once again, Al-Aqsa Mosque had been stormed by Israeli police. We're just on our way to Al-Aqsa Mosque. We're going to try and get inside. Hundreds have been injured this morning in in the grounds of Al-Aqsa Mosque after Israeli police and forces stormed the compound. When we arrived at one of the entry points at Al-Aqsa compound, the police pushed us back, said we weren't allowed to go in. But also, police were refusing to allow a lot of medics in as well. After hours of negotiation, we managed to circumvent that security, get inside the grounds of the mosque. We've now made it into the grounds. We're actually the first journalists that have made it inside. There are the remnants of Sun grenades everywhere. It must mean that the Israeli soldiers are coming in again. They've been using rubber bullets. And pretty much from the moment that we entered, I turn around and there is this wave of Palestinians just running at us. And we could feel the back of our throats, the CS gas that had also been fired. And people were screaming and you could hear the stun grenades and everyone was telling us to get inside, take cover. And Palestinians are taking refuge inside the Aqsa Mosque. Allahu Akbar! Allahu Akbar! Allahu Akbar! Allahu Akbar! Allahu Akbar! It was this event that caught the attention of the world. After Israeli police storm Al-Aqsa compound on Monday, Hamas 
issues a warning. Hamas, which governs the Gaza Strip. Exactly. It says, remove your forces from Al-Aqsa compound and stop threatening the people of Sheikh Jarrah or there will be consequences at 6 p.m. We were in a cafe at 6 p.m. and we heard the rockets that had been launched. There's a red alert going off. There are sirens going off all around Jerusalem right now. This usually means that there is the potential of rockets coming in. We found out that those rockets had landed west of Jerusalem. And there were more rockets that were fired throughout that evening. And as a result, Israel responded to those rockets with huge, powerful aerial strikes against Gaza, which are continuing until this day. And those strikes have resulted in a huge loss of civilian lives inside Gaza. Remember that Gaza is one of the most densely populated places on Earth. It's a blockaded strip of land. Israel controls the movements in and out of there. The people in Gaza are not allowed to leave. They don't have passports. The only reason why they may be allowed out is if they have emergency medical treatments. And even then, that has been significantly limited as a result of the pandemic over the past year. And since Israel has been pounding Gaza, that crossing into the Strip has been closed. So at the moment, humanitarians, journalists and emergency workers are not allowed to enter. One of the most significant things that's been happening is tower blocks inside Gaza being targeted, and that has included entire apartment buildings and also media towers that once housed outlets, including the Associated Press and Al Jazeera. It becomes even more difficult to report and to show the world what is happening on the ground and the human impact of wars like this. Of course, like with Hamas firing rockets, their rockets can do significant damage as well. But Israel has its Iron Dome defense system, which is able to intercept many of those Hamas rockets coming in. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the meantime, this tension has spurred communal violence in cities that are populated by both Jewish people and Palestinian people. And it's led to people physically attacking one another in the streets. It's been horrific to watch this sort of vigilante mob violence unfold on so many fronts, while there are also rockets and bombs raining down on people. And it's been sort of stunning to see how quickly this has escalated into what I think we have to call a war at this point. We saw things change by the day, if not by the hour. And every time something happened as a team, we'd look at each other and say, surely it can't get worse than this. What's happening now with Muna and the other families who are facing eviction? Muna and the other families are still fighting. They're still protesting. 
They are still preparing to go to court. There is a Supreme Court decision that will be made on whether they accept their appeal. That has been delayed and the court said that it will be delivering its decision. But exactly when? We don't know. We are constantly speaking to our colleagues that we work with in Gaza and the stories that they're telling us is harrowing. Sometimes we don't sleep because we're receiving messages saying that there's been another attack on a residential area close to the people that we know. So for a lot of us journalists in East Jerusalem, we feel a bit useless being here. The crossing into Gaza is closed and at the moment we're all just waiting for a ceasefire and for those crossings to open so that we can go into Gaza. Thank you so, so much for all the reporting that you're doing right now. We're following very closely. I know I'm checking your Instagram all the time, so uh, please be careful and stay safe. I appreciate all your messages. Thank you so much. Thank you. As of this recording on Wednesday afternoon, May 19th, the United Nations Secretary General is calling for a ceasefire between Hamas and Israel, as are almost all of the members of the European Union. In the United States, President Biden is expressing support for a ceasefire as well. But Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has said that there is no current timeline for ending the bombing. Israel's airstrikes on Gaza have killed more than 200 Palestinians, including 64 children. They have also destroyed residential buildings, damaged schools, and numerous hospitals and clinics, including Gaza's only COVID-19 test lab. Meanwhile, Hamas continues to fire rockets towards Israel. And as a result, at least 12 people there have been killed. For more information on our zero emission deliveries in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Waterford city centres, visit onpuscom forward slash sustainability. Hi, it's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are... 
New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, and former editor of People magazine Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Special thanks to Hint Hassan and Lema Al Aryan for their reporting in the last few weeks from Jerusalem. Thanks also to Vice's Daniel Bateman, Eamon Abu Ramuz, and Jerusalem based producer Oren Rosenfeld. For more of Hin's reporting, tune in to Vice News Tonight on Vice TV. And catch her piece, Crisis in Jerusalem, at vicetv.com. Check out the links in our show notes. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cuchol, Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, Julia Nutter, and Sayer Quevedo. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. From iHeart executive producers Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. I'm Ariel Zuemros. I say this all the time. But for real, please rate and review this podcast. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. Let SuperValue Online Shopping save you time and money. Order your weekly shop online, then collect at the store at a time that suits you. Or we'll deliver your shopping to your door. Shop online today at supervalue.ie. There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are extremely cool and chill, if I do say so myself. In our new podcast, How Did We Get Weird? We'll talk about our favorite snacks, shows, and obsessions from growing up with some of your favorite comedians, musicians, and other A-list celebrities. Sorry, we're major. Listen to How Did We Get Weird from Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.